the Son, therefore, shall make you free. He shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our study we're doing for January 15th, 2012. And today we're going to be doing a study on, kind of a warning study on the Apocrypha. Uh, And I've had a lot of questions about that over the years, various things about this. And Tom Horn is actually selling the Apocrypha with other extra-biblical books on his website, and I just think there needs to be a some type of warning, which they're not doing at all, regarding a lot of the doctrine that those books teach. Some of them. Uh, and we're actually going to be looking at some verses from within the Apocrypha and doing a study on the Apocrypha, and then we're going to be segueing into more of a study on Tom Horn and Raiders News Network in particular because it's really, really getting flagrant with the promotion of Catholicism. Now, I've done other studies on this, but it's it's really ramping it up. And you could go up there, and if you're not reading closely, maybe skim over some articles and think, oh, well, yeah, he's just talking about this end time uh, maybe current event regarding the Catholic Church. But when you start analyzing what is being said, and I'm not going to use my words, I'm going to use their words, it is horrifically obvious what is going on there. And because there's a lot of my listeners that I would imagine maybe have referenced them over the past or read their books, and I know I have, and I still use a lot of the information. Not to say that the vast majority of of current events that they're reporting on aren't interesting, but there's another agenda going on there, and it's getting really flagrant. And this is a trend I'm seeing, not just with Tom Horner, Raiders News Network. Uh, we've talked about, uh, in recent past, Chuck Missler. We're going to be looking a little bit at Chuck Missler. They're doing, a, uh, Tom Horner and him are doing actual... Uh, seminar together coming up, and they've done many seminars. We've already done that. With, and with Chuck Missler, there's there's other people out there that are exposing him now, and again, is equally as flagrant, and also ties in with the Catholic Church. And I'm seeing this gigantic trend among end-time, current event ministries. Now, there's a, there's a trend for that anyway, but I'm talking about with people that I might have at one time referred to or pointed people to in their ministries. Like, I was on Missler's mailing list, and I got the audio tapes, I got some of the videos. I mean, I've been there, done it. I've done the same thing with Tom Horn. And I'm seeing this gigantic trend, this this moving toward Rome, the Roman Catholic Church, and this not-so-subtle promotion of it through various means, all trying to look real innocent and, and this and that, but I just really can't believe how flagrant it's getting. Quite frankly, it's it's you know as far as trying to do some type of study on this, it's very easy to do. So let's just go ahead and get right into the teaching here today. It's not a really super long teaching. Uh, it is a thirty. It's going to be at least a thirty-six page PDF, but I believe we're only going to go to page like fifteen. 
The reason being is I've actually tagged uh, the other teaching that I did on Tom Horn, Gary Stearman, Sir Isaac Newton. I've added that onto the back end of this PDF. So you'll have all the information, plus the other studies I've done on Missler and on Tom Horn will also be there. The audio links will be there within the PDF for January 15th, 2012. And I'll be honest, there's not a lot of people that will touch these two guys. I'm not saying that because I think I'm perfect or wonderful or I'm the only one with guts. It's just, I don't really see hardly any exposures from other ministries regarding this. And, and again, it's, it's getting to the point of being just beyond flagrant what's going on here. So, I've acquired a whole bunch of new information since the last study. This is all new. This is not, we're not rehashing what we've already covered before. It's all brand new. And I, I think that you're seeing this gigantic trend. Again, we have to, according to the Bible, come to a point where we have a one-world religion. Most likely, the maestro of that one-world religion, the overseer, and from all the research I, I've really seen, is going to be the Catholic Church. The, the, all the religions of the planet are going to come underneath her banner. It doesn't necessarily mean when it's all said and done it's going to be known as Catholicism. I don't believe that. It's going to be the one-world religion under Antichrist, essentially, with the backbone of it being witchcraft. It's the essence of the coming one world religion. The power that it will yield and derive from will be witchcraft. And I've done several studies on that. I've done several studies exposing the Catholic Church. Many recently. But I'm seeing this gigantic push now among flagrantly apostate Christianity and people that at one time we might have trusted, or ministries we might have trusted, toward Rome as well. And it's becoming more bold, more flagrant, more unapologetic. And it's almost as though Satan's gauging reaction. It's almost like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can get away with this. If there's not enough public outcry, then, then we know that the, the Christians that we have as listeners or whatever are ready to go to the next step or the next phase. Now, can you imagine when you combine this with the lying signs and wonders or these types of things that are going to be occurring? The miracles... You go along with that, which is where Catholicism operates from and emanates from. That's going to cause a lot of people to buy into it hook, line, and sinker just from that standpoint. So, again, we've discussed these various scenarios in the past, but, um, yeah, this this information today is, is I, I really believe it's necessary that it get out there as a, as a warning. So, just some... Verses that kind of relate to that this subject, because somebody, you know, they may say, well, yeah, but you shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't be judging them and this and that. Well, let's look at what the Bible says. And now this is just a small portion of verses relating to this particular subject. And we'll see if we shouldn't be judging other ministries. We'll see if we're not supposed to be looking at their fruit that they're bearing, and not to judge that fruit. It's because there is no judgment in the modern day corporate 501c3 ministerial corporate church that things have gotten the way they are. Because there is no judgment. 
Always, they're doing their thing, we'll do our thing, and, you know, it doesn't matter if they're leading people to hell. That's okay. As long as they're doing their thing, we're not going to bother them, they don't bother us. We're all one big happy family. Now, I'm not saying all ministries are leading people to hell, I'm just saying in general, that is a gigantic trend. So, there is such a thing as earnestly contending for the faith once delivered unto the saints, according to Jude. And then it talks about certain men that crept in unawares, that were before ordained under this condemnation. So, when you earnestly contend for the faith, what does it warn about, like, essentially, the next sentence later? Certain men that crept in unawares, who were before ordained under this condemnation. Turning the grace of our Lord into lasciviousness. Into, essentially, carnality, bad doctrine, and these types of things. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, at his appearing, that means the living and the dead, at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, reproving is essentially correcting someone, possibly in a stern way, rebuke, again, very similar, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Well, that's where we're at. (laughs) I mean, we are squarely in the time where people, for the most part, are not enduring sound doctrine at all. But after their own lusts, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. There's more ministries out there than you can possibly imagine And people heap to themselves and become followers of men. And that's why I say, don't follow me. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow his word, the King James Bible in the English speaking language. I don't want you, you know, we're not supposed to heap to ourselves teachers. I mean, usually what happens when people do that, they've got all these ministries, is they get confused. They get this from one ministry, this from another. And they end up getting confused. And God is not the author of confusion. There's so many people like ministers in TV evangelism alone. And the vast majority are nothing more than than greedy wolves in sheep's clothing. Hirelings at the very best that have no true love for the sheep, because a true shepherd would lay down his life for the sheep. They're hirelings. They're doing it for the money. If Satan can transform himself into a minister of righteousness, it's no marvel that his, that his ministers can be transformed into the, into the same, essentially. Or Satan be transformed into an angel of light. It's no marvel that his ministers can be transformed into ministers of righteousness. That is the norm today. The norm it's not the exception. Maybe at one time it was the exception, but not today. So we, we need to be on guard today more than ever. And Jesus Christ warned over and over regarding the end times that we're in and moving into is to be not deceived. So they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and shall turn away their ears from truth and shall be turned unto fables. God said, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned who receive not the love of the truth, 
but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And here it says, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. That's what, that's where we're at. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, now the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, speaketh expressly that in the latter times, again, day and time we're living in, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Meaning, something that would bother maybe the normal person, it's not going to bother them. Why? Because their conscience is seared with a hot iron. Matthew twelve thirty seven, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Remember these verses as we're going through this teaching today, particularly when we get to the thing with Raiders News Network and Tom Horn. I'll let their words do the talking. Not mine, theirs. Proverbs 17.15 says, He that justifieth the wicked and condemneth the just, even they both are an abomination to the Lord. So if you're in a situation where you're justifying the wicked, that's an abomination to God. What is it when you point people to the Catholic Church? Isn't that justifying the wicked? Isn't that justifying a religion? All that, that the only purpose for that religion ultimately is to get as many people as possible into hell and then, then ultimately the lake of fire? Yeah, that's the only reason for that cult. We've amply proved that in, in the numerous teachings we've done, and a lot of them have been, you know, we've just done recently. The, the, just, just documenting the, the terrific atrocities of the Catholic Church throughout the ages. The Inquisition alone, I mean, that was beyond horrific. The Inquisitions, I should say. There were several. Isaiah 5.20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. When you call a religion that's a cult good Woe unto you. Not something we need to be doing. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. A lot of that going on today. 1 Corinthians 2.15 says, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. We're supposed to judge all things. Jesus said in John 7.24, Judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. God loves righteous judgment. You, over and over and over, particularly in the, New, in the Old Testament, you'll see that over and over. The reason that he ends up sending judgment many times is because there's nobody crying out for judgment. Righteous judgment. It says, none call for, for judgment. None calleth for truth. I see that over and over. Like when you read like in Isaiah and Jeremiah and those types of books. That is grievous to God when we don't cry out, not to say like every prayer, you know, you're fixated on that, unless that's where God's called you. But it is something, calling out for judgment, God's righteous judgment of wickedness, for his truth to come forth. God values that very highly. And I don't think it's something that we, including myself, do enough of. But I do believe it's something he wants us to do. I think because people haven't called out for that, 
particularly in America, is one of the reasons it's gotten to the point where it is right now, where it's just so blatantly apostate and dark. There's no crying out for judgment of wickedness. I did a a teaching um, regarding Psalm 64 and in precatory prayers, uh, Christian's door of hope. You might want to do a keyword search on contendingfortruth.com. It, it's a, it's not a teaching. I've only heard it preached by one other person ever. Um, and it made a gigantic positive impact in my life. Going further, Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them. Mark them. Name them by name. Mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. Well, wouldn't that be anything contrary to the word of God? Yeah. And avoid them. Supposed to avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, meaning their own carnal desires. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. There's a lot of really good orators. They get up there, they, 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 you know, they, t- I'm sorry, but these guys that get up there and they got to have some little limerick or some joke that they've got to, in, in order to kind of get everybody loosened up, I don't know, it's just, I, I'm just not like that, I guess, it's not me. I, I don't mind, I don't mind interjecting some humor in it, but it's almost like it's canned. It's almost like, oh, yeah, I got my little script up here. I'm going to go through and I'm going to give them a zinger and, and get everybody all laughing and jovial and then give my fair speech and my good words. Now, I'm not saying everybody that approaches it that way is wrong. It's just that you know when it's contrived. You know what I mean? If it's real, okay. I just don't think, I don't like things that are fake. You know? And so much of the time, you, you, I'll hear these guys and it's like, my word, it sounds like you're reading from a teleprompter. Now, granted, I know I go through my PDF and I, I read a lot right straight off, but I'm also interjecting a lot of things in there. Like right now, I'm not reading off a teleprompter type of thing, you know, and I just don't like fake stuff. And God sees right through that anyway, and so do people. People see through that. Fake is a $3 bill. I believe my listeners would see right through it. (laughs) I do. I want them to see through it. You know? We need to have that type of discernment. To discern both good and evil. To discern a wolf in sheep's clothing. To discern hireling. To discern if somebody's real or if they're fake. Are they doing it for the money? Are they in it for the glory and the fame? Or look at me? Or maybe they're just a Satanist, a closet Satanist that's up there and, and really, and I guarantee you there's a ton of them around. I've seen interviews with ex-Satanists and they're like the most, the best cover, the best job we can have as a Christian pastor. Because we can go and we can influence large numbers of people that would call themselves Christians. We have the perfect cover, nobody suspects us. We will be literally, totally aghast and and in shock if God ever shows us the amount, the infiltration that has actually occurred worldwide with Christian, quote, Christian clergy being Satanists or high-level occultists or whatever. And in the Catholic Church, I mean, (laughs) you got your army of pedophiles, you got those types of things. 
Going further, well, where do we have some examples of marking them in the Bible? Well, okay, I'll give you some. In the New Testament as well. 2 Timothy 4, 15, 4, 14 and 15, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. They named this guy by name and they said he did him much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. He didn't say, oh God bless him, bless his little heart, may he go on and commit wickedness and, and maybe take other people to hell because of his bad doctrine or whatever little cult belief system that he wants to start. No, the Lord reward him according to his works. I understand that where Jesus Christ said, you know, bless them that curse you, do good to them that despitefully use you, these types of things. But we're not supposed to bless them in their wickedness. Oh, Lord, enable them to bless them so that they could go forth and be more wicked. I mean, that's, that sounds ridiculous, praying that way. But we need to keep things in context with wicked people. Because there is no, I, because I don't believe there's enough judgment being cried out for against wickedness is one of the reasons that wickedness has overtaken. Now, I understand the Bible says it's going to be this way. And it's a sign of the times, true. But we need to still keep earnestly contending for the faith. And keep fighting, you know, the good fight. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be where be thou where also. In other words, of whom you need to be aware of this guy. How much of this is getting done today? Not a lot. But it's so hard because there's so many people in so many different cult belief systems. The Seventh-day Adventists, the, the Hebrew Roots people, Christian Zionists, all of the flavors of, of Charismania. And, and it goes on. And then there's the lukewarm, just kind of dead ones, like the Presbyterians and the Methodists and them. Now, again, I'm not trying to target any one particular denomination. I'm just saying, there's so much deception out there that a lady this week, she, she met somebody at like a flea market and they're like, oh, like, oh you got to really be careful of all the deception and all the bad doctrine out there. And she sent me the stuff this guy had given her. And I started looking at it. And then I started, I went down to the bottom and how we got to keep the Sabbath and this and that and this. And, and I've done total studies on this. We got to, you know, be under this and that. And I, and I looked at the bottom and I'm like, this guy's a Seventh-day Adventist. His links that he was giving her were to a Seventh-day Adventist website. Amazing discoveries or amazing facts. Those are all Seventh-day Adventists. Very slick in their presentation. You turn that thing on, you don't even know it's a Seventh-day Adventist. You have no clue. Very subtle. That forerunner guy up on the internet, another one. And they start, oh man, they got the best information on the end times, and they're exposing the Catholic Church. And all of a sudden, you really start watching them more and more and more. Where does it always bring you? Oh, the Sabbath. Yep. If you celebrate, if you worship God on Sunday, you know that's the equivalent to taking the mark of the beast, according to the Seventh-day Adventists. I'm not making this stuff up. It was started by this wacky witch named Ellen White, who was a total nutcase. Reams of information. And if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I don't ascribe to any denomination. Because as far as I'm concerned, they've all been corrupted at one level or another. Every one of them. Not one of them has been spared. 
I put myself with the true body of Christ, the born again Bible believing Christian believers. That's where that's my that's where I belong. That's the body of Christ that I belong to. And they're scattered all over the world. I don't know where to tell people to go to find them. You're going to have to get on your knees and and wherever the Lord might lead you. But I don't have a I don't have a network. I don't have a thing where I can say, "Well, yeah, go here." There's just so few places I could possibly point anybody to anymore. Because they're either, usually 99.9% of them are in some type of denominational system, and then beyond that, then they're they're 501c3 corporate entities, and there's no Bible for any of that. They're not reading the right Bible, if they are. They're reading some New Age translation. They're not reading the King James Bible in the English-speaking language. And again, I've done several studies on that. And you could go on and on and on and on. The bad doctrine is just, that's why I tell people, get into the Word of God, pray, fast, seek God, don't seek man, because it is a literal landmine. It's, it's like going on the internet or, or going out even into the world and trying to find it. It's like the majority of what you're going to find are landmines. Somebody with their own little pet niche doctrine that's going to try to convince you many times that they're the only ones that have heard from God regarding this particular matter. Wow, you must be really special. You must, man, you must be close with God. Because you know what? I've never heard that before in my life. And you, you're the only person on the planet that God's ever revealed that to. You are super mega special. I guess everybody else throughout the ages have just went to hell because they didn't quite have that same revelation that you've had. That's how cults get started. Over and over and over again. I contend with this every day. About 10,000 emails I've sent out since last, not this July, but the July before last. 10,000 replies. Not including the emails I send out just in my newsletter. That's just individual stuff. Trying to help people. Trying to get them, okay, okay, they're bound up in this heresy. Okay, here's these word documents. Go over these, scour this. I don't want to see people get caught up in this garbage. I know maybe at one time I was, so I'm trying to help people, but one person can only do so much. And there's coming a time, and it could happen literally any minute, when the darkness is going to come and no man can work. We could be right on the cusp of that. There's so many things going on right now via the internet. Internet kill switch. Now the SOPA legislation on the internet. Um... All types of things that you're going to be doing, they're pigeonholing you and pigeonholing you and putting you in corner after corner. All the data mining they're doing on Facebook and Twitter and all of these other things to the point where, and then all it's really going to take is one major event where they could declare martial law and they'll, they'll hit that internet kill switch and it'll be over. When that internet goes back up again, it's probably going to be the government controlled Big Brother George Orwell 1984 internet. And then free speech is truly going to be dead. Your ministry at that point may be just one-on-one with people. Maybe you've got that type of ministry now, but I don't. You know, And, And not to say that I'm going to resist that. But I'm just saying that might be our only choice. And God knows that, and that's a good thing. I mean, you know, the Lord let it happen. If you do want to get my teachings, there is a little thing that one of my listeners is doing. It's on contendingfortruth.com. It's a little uh, 
USB flash drive that that he sells. It's got all my teachings on there. I think he pretty much keeps it updated all the time. God bless him. It's a lot of work. I know I couldn't do it. <laughs> I can barely, barely keep up with this ministry as it is. Uh, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's 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 just quite a bit. Anyway, um, going further here. Okay, next verse. For Demas, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Second Timothy four ten. That's another one. Somebody that was named by name. He ha- he loved the present world more than. First uh, Timothy one eighteen through twenty. Now there's also an application for turning such an one over to Satan. I've done a teaching on that. Very rare you're going to hear that type of information. You can just go in there, key in Satan in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. People do this. They're Christians. They fall away from the faith. Unrepentantly. Glorying in their shame, as the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where it talks about turning such a one over to Satan. In that case, the whole church was glorying in their shame. There is a concept of turning such a one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the soul may be saved in the day of the Lord. Very rarely talked about, but I think that if that were done more often, that would make a gigantic difference. It's basically like turning some, someone over to Satan, and I guess it would be like the ultimate being taken to the woodshed from God, I and mean, basically being turned over to Satan in order to do that. To bring them back, I believe, to the faith. That's never done anymore. Hardly ever. I've never heard it in any churches. Well, these are spiritual New Testament concepts that are not being done. So, because they're not being done, apostasy just runs rampant. And it's just getting more and more flagrant. And the demons are are just being released at greater levels. More witchcraft is being done where they literally are summoning these things into our dimension. Where they can go and do their work. That's one of the reasons it's getting so wicked. Because there's much more witchcraft in certain areas being done than there is, let's say, prayer or intercession or righteous living and these types of things. And I'm not singling anyone out. I'm just saying in general. 1 Timothy 1, 18-20 This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Yeah. It's a war we're in. A war. The Bible says that our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. And really, and again, this is why the Bible talks about, you know, in Ephesians, where it says, Wherefore put on the full armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So that's something we always have to keep in perspective there. That's the warfare. Holding faith, it it always boils back to faith. With so much of what you read in the New Testament, a lot of it truly boils back to faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. 
if you don't have faith, you can't war. Your faith, if, if, if your faith is dead, you can't war. Your war is dead. You, you, you can't battle Satan. If your prayers don't have any faith behind them, you really don't believe God can work on your behalf or go before you to prepare the way. Well, he's not going to. In order to have faith that moves mount that moves mountains, you have the faith has to be real. In other words, and if you don't feel like you have that, then pray for it and get in the Word more. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Reading the Word of God or hearing it builds your faith. It's like a muscle. Also, if you don't use it, it tends to atrophy. Atrophy means that you lose it. So, and the Bible also does say to every man is, is, is appointed unto him a measure of faith. Not everybody's at the same level faith-wise. So I'm, I'm not coming down on somebody that, you know, maybe doesn't feel like, but you can increase your faith. You can ask for it. You can ask for wisdom. God says to ask for wisdom. And any lack of wisdom, you know, ask of me. Ask for understanding. Ask for discernment. Ask for courage. It's not like you're asking for something wicked. Now the Bible does say you have not because you ask not. Then it also says you have not because you ask amiss. To consume it upon your own lusts. So there's, sometimes you don't have it because you, you, um, you don't ask for it. Or you're not asking for the correct thing. And then sometimes you're asking for the wrong thing that you may, you have the wrong heart intention. Now, I've done a whole study, many on prayer, but also the biblical concepts of answered prayer. Just key in prayer in their search box on the website, and, and you'll find that. Not to say I've covered every little possible thing, but we, we hit a lot of different areas there. Okay, so then, continue with this verse. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away, they've, they've again, it says it right here, which some having put away concerning Faith. They put away their faith. What, they, what was their faith in? Jesus. Well, they said it was in Jesus Christ and His Word. Because that's what it's all about, really. Well, they put away that faith. They, they don't believe in the Bible anymore. They don't believe in the Word of God. They don't believe in Jesus Christ. Which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Of whom is Hymaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. They probably were blaspheming. They're probably saying, oh, Jesus isn't the Son of God. He's not our only blessed Redeemer. He's not our Lord and Savior. He didn't come here to, you know, die on the cross, get resurrected on the third day. That's all a fable or whatever. That's probably what they're saying. Well, that's blasphemous. Well, he turned them over to Satan that they would learn not to blaspheme. And they're going around making other people's faith shipwreck. They're shipwrecking the faith of other people. They're undermining it. You start pointing people to a cult, or whatever, like the Catholic Church, you're going to shipwreck their faith. They're going to start thinking, you know what? I guess we do get saved through works. Hmm. Because that's what the Catholic Church teaches. Seven sacraments, and you got to go through their rigmarole, and all their pagan witchcraft garbage they get into. You're shipwrecking their faith. 
Their blood will be on your hands. We're not supposed to be a, we're not to lay a stumbling block before a brother or sister in Christ. That shouldn't be the mark we leave on their life. And that's what I'm seeing is becoming almost the norm of many different ministries. Maybe not uh, flagrant 100% of the time, but there's a lot of it going on. Uh, I, I did. Uh, I gave you a link here to the teaching on deliver such an one over to Satan. My teaching, it's right here in the very first page, where it, right under where it says that they may learn not to blaspheme. And the, the links that I put up regarding my teachings are, are always going to be in green. So if you're lo- looking for them, I've color coded them on the PDFs that I make. Um, at least the recent ones, they, they're always in green. Okay, so. Titus 1, 9 through 14, holding fast the faith, faithful word as has, has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayers, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. Even back then, and you can imagine how worse it is now. There are many unruly, vain talkers and deceivers. Oh, that's judging. Yeah, it is. It is judging. It's righteous judgment. He who is spiritual judgeth all things. Here's when you don't judge. When you have a beam in your own eye and you're judging the speck in your brothers. That's when Jesus said, judge not lest ye be judged. Big difference. Then he says, take the beam out of your own eye so that you can then judge the speck in your brothers. So he said, judge, but just make sure you don't have a beam in your own eye. Get that out first before you even think about judging anyone else. So even in that application, you go on to judge righteously. Not hypocritically. Righteously. Going further. uh, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, meaning the, in particular, the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees of the circumcision. You you have to be circumcised. You got to do this and you got to do that. At the Catholic Church, you've you got to do this and you got to do that in order to actually be saved. For you're saved by grace, the grace of God, through faith, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You're not saved through your own works. Works will follow faith, but works are not what save you. Because if you're trusting in your own works, you're not saved. If you're not saved, go to my website, continuefortruth.com, tab at the very top, true salvation, listen to those teachings. There's just not one, there's a salvation, then there's stuff that you do afterward. Things you should expect afterward. After conversion. Salvation conversion. So, anyway. uh, And then it says, okay, especially of the circumcision, unruly, vain talkers, and deceivers whose mouths must be stopped. That's what, you know, they're saying flat out here. Their mouths must be stopped. Who subvert whole houses, teaching things they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. It reminds me of the filthy lucre, meaning uh, mammon, unrighteous mammon, the the pursuit of riches and money. It really reminds me of the... uh, these prosperity preaching televangelists that go in there 
and these people gather around the TV set. They're subverting whole houses. Their mouths must be stopped, though. If you had a group of true born-again Bible-believing Christians that were literally praying in such a way to turn people over to Satan, and just one thing they could do, praying for, if they are a deceiver, for God to expose them. Why? Well, because you don't want to see them take any more people to hell, right? Right? You don't want to see them take people to hell. Well, then there's certain ways you can pray for God's judgment to be on them, hopefully to bring them to repentance possibly, and then also for the sake of the people they're leading astray. It's the most compassionate way you can pray. Is it, is it, is it, or, or is it better to, no, we'll leave them alone. We don't want to, we don't want to uh, step on any toes. We wouldn't want to offend while they're on their way to hell because they're following some cult doctrine or putting their trust in some man that's totally greed driven or a, possibly a closet Satanist. And many of them are at that level. I would venture to say the vast majority are. They're not put in that position. They're put in that position for a reason. They're able to inflict the most damage for Satan's kingdom on the largest amount of people. That's why they're in that position. The Son of Man had nowhere to even lay his head, Jesus Christ. And his apostles, you know, they weren't walking around with with gigantic, exorbitant amounts of money and stuff. And and yet these guys are, you know... (laughs) They've got their BMWs and their Mercedes and they're living in these palatial mansions. Some of them have jets. I think Creflo Give Me a Dollar's got a jet. Kenneth Copeland, he's got his own airport. Man, if that guy doesn't, I'm sorry, but that guy's so evil looking. I could just see him with a black robe on and one of those Afamis, the, the ritual satanic daggers. I'm sorry, but, but I've seen way too much footage on that guy. To not believe that. <laughs> and I mean, all of this stuff, they're so flagrantly greed-driven. Smiley Joel Osteen. Where you gotta, you know, they, I just told you this thing the other day, where you gotta pay to even be near him. You're gonna see there's a little bit of that today in today's teaching too. <sighs> it's just so flagrantly unbelievable what's going on. And yet, as a whole... And I'm talking about my listeners. I'm talking as a whole. Christianity just sits back idly by. And, oh, it's okay. It's fine. Well, they're subverting whole houses, teaching things they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. The love of money is the root of all evil. One of them, even a prophet of their own, in other words, they're calling this person out, said, the Cretans are always liars. It, now, this is in reference to a whole sect of people. The Cretans are always liars. I believe that's the people that lived on the island of Crete. Are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. They're always liars, they're evil beasts, slow bellies. They're lazy. This witness is true. He said this was, he didn't say, oh no, you shouldn't say that. It's not politically correct. No, it was true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be found sound in the faith. That was the remedy. He didn't say they were incapable of being saved. He said that they're always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. And it's true. Okay, what's the remedy? Rebuke them sharply 
that they may be found sound in the faith. It didn't say mollycoddle them, be nice to them, and tell them what they want to hear. Nope, that wasn't the remedy at all. Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from truth. Commandments of men. Oh man, there's a lot of that. Like I said, every, these people run around with these own little pet niche doctrines. And the internet's the, the ideal place to propagate this stuff. You hear heresies come up all the time. Well, I never heard that one before. You don't even know a lot of times how to attack it because it's so new and it, it's something that it's never even been thought of that it's hard to even, you know, to... <laughs> it's like an avalanche of lies and evil and heresy. That's pretty much my life. And then Titus 3.10, a man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject. I'm not supposed to just buddy up with them and, you know, keep pointing people to them. No, you actually reject them. And then I would imagine at some point you turn them over to Satan. If they still call themselves a Christian, I would imagine. I mean, if they're just, you know, flat out cards on the table, maybe they're just, you know, Satanist or whatever. Jeremiah 48.10 Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. That's the norm though now. It's normal to doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. If you're a ministry. Well, they're blinded to it. They don't know. Well, they're being destroyed for lack of knowledge. But if they're taking people to hell through bad doctrine, does that mean I just, well, their, their heart's in the right. No, 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 no. The heart is, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof the ways of death. Proverbs 16, 25, and 14, 12. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. So, cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. That's the norm from what I'm, absolutely from what I see on a day-to-day basis. Not to say that that means that I think I'm perfect and that I've never done any wrong and I never mess up. I'm not saying that at all. I don't even know how God can stand me. How he hasn't struck me dead is pretty much how I feel about myself. Just, oh, what a wretch of a man that I am. Who should deliver me from the body of this death? Like Paul said. The things that I should do, that I don't do. The things that I shouldn't do, that I do. Now, that doesn't give us a license to sin. But it's almost like the more you read the Word of God, the more you realize, wow, I am really... Got a long way to go. So I'm not sitting here judging other people, saying I'm so wonderful, and I'm going to condemn them, and this and that. But these are people that don't think they're doing any wrong at all. They're, 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 they're glorying in their shame, as they talked about in 1 Corinthians 5, chapter 5. They're glorying in their shame. Their conscience is pretty much, you know, just about gone at that point. So, let's go into the actual teaching now. First thing we're going to be doing is a warning on the Apocrypha. Catholics will tell you, quote, you Christians are missing part of the Bible. So this is a, this is a tactic Catholics can use to come against 
Christians. We have, and then it says, we have the rest of it. So the Catholics can say, oh, yeah, we see, we're better. We have the rest of the Bible. This can throw people off, but it no longer has to. These false Catholic additions to the Bible are commonly called the Apocrypha, or sometimes the, the Deuterocanonical books. This is a short treatise on why these books are not in the Bible. What is the Apocrypha anyway? Now, the reason I'm saying all this, a lot of the reasons, number one, it should be said, and number two, Tom Horn is now in his newest money-making scheme-slash-venture. He's up there throwing out the apocryphal books and then other books in there as well that he's selling. And this is just the start. He's going to be doing other books later. I heard this announcement the other day. The Apocrypha is a collection of uninspired, spurious books written by various individuals. The Catholic religion considers these books as scripture, just like a Bible believer believes that the 66 books in the Bible are the Word of God, Genesis to Revelation. We are going to examine some verses from the Apocrypha later in our discussion. At the Council of Trent in 1546, the Roman Catholic religion pronounced the following Apocryphal books were sacred. They asserted that the Apocryphal books together with the unwritten tradition are of God. Meaning, the Apocryphal books also in the Pope's wonderful, wonderful traditions and oral oral traditions that have been handed down. And we can see the fruit of that. We really can. I mean, just look at the previous teachings I've done as of late. All the, the inquisitions and all the torture devices and all the lying and all of the unbiblical things that they do and the pedophile priesthood. There were a lot of good fruit there. A lot of great fruit. So, they asserted that the apocryphal books, together with the unwritten tradition, are of God and to be received and venerated as the word of God. Now, if the Catholic Church is telling you that, knowing their history, which is extremely easy to document, and we've done that, don't believe it, just key in Catholic in the search box at contendingfortruth.com, and it'll load your boat. Why? I mean, if they're telling you to do something, the Catholic Church of all people, and they're saying it's good, and it's right, and it's just, shouldn't that throw a red flag up in our minds, possibly? should be the biggest red flag you could throw up. So now you have the Bible, the Apocrypha, and the Catholic tradition as co-equal sources of truth for the Catholic. It really reminds me of all of these other cults that are out there. Like Mormonism. There's the King James Bible. There's the Book of Mormon. There's the Pearl of Great Price. And then there's their whatever other little things they might receive from whoever. Sometimes they have prophets and things of this nature. Jehovah Witnesses, same deal. They don't have the King James. They have the New World Translation, which is a corrupted version. And then they have their Watchtower magazine, which is supposedly angelically inspired. And when I, if ever I've ever confronted one, and they start to, whatever, when I try to uh, verbally joust with me, I'll say, well, wasn't that Watchtower? Isn't it like supposed to be angelically inspired every month and inerrant? Well, yes. Well, then why in the world did they predict the end of the world wrong so many times over the last... They don't have an answer for that. They don't. I mean, if it's if it's angelically inspired, why aren't they nailing it all the time? Why? Because God's showing them to be a liar. The Bible's nailed it every time. All the prophecies, all the things about Jesus Christ predicted in the Old Testament, nailed it. And it'll keep nailing it. But they can't do that. Because God's doing that to show people. He's, he's letting them 
Make your predictions, prognosticators and sorcerers and whatever, clairvoyants. Make your predictions. You might get it right once in a while, but God will show you to be the liars that you are. Deuteronomy 18, the test of a prophet. They're supposed to get it right 100% of the time, not 60%, not 70 Well, Well, I was, I was right 72.9% of the time. Okay, but the other whatever, no. It's supposed to be 100% of the time. And back in the Old Testament, you died. And not only that, the prophecies could not contradict the Word of God. They had to verify the Word of God. So if you made a prophecy and it pointed people to Satan, but it still came to pass, still death by stoning or whatever particular way they would use. It's a pretty big deal in the Old Testament. I still think it's a pretty big deal to God. So, going further, you have the Bible, the Apocrypha, and the Catholic tradition as co-equal. But it's not co-equal. Because always, 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 when that dynamic happens within a cult, you know that the extra-biblical books and the oral tradition or whatever angelic, prophetic utterances have been, those are the ones that take precedence over the word of God. The Bible always takes a back seat. And the Catholic Church doesn't even use a King James Bible anyway. They use an American Standard Version, which has been corrupted. It was a spawn of the, of the 1881 Revised Version of two high-level occultists, Westcott and Ward, that translated that from two occult, actually corrupted Catholic manuscripts, the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus. You know, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So they've got their, you know, their Catholic Bible. All the modern versions essentially are a spawn of the of those corrupt Catholic manuscripts. Going further, in reality, the Bible is the last source of truth for Catholics. Catholic doctrine becomes comes primarily from traditions stuck together with um, with a few Bible names. Catholics do not believe that the Bible is the complete revelation for man. From the Council of Trent, which was 16th century, which was the 16th century ecumenical council of the Roman Catholic Church, session number four, April 8th, 1546, um, decree concerning the canonical scriptures, this is from the Catholic Church, Council of Trent, we read, it has thought it has thought it proper, moreover, to insert in this decree a list of sacred books, lest a doubt might arise in the mind of someone as to which books are received by this council. Okay, so this is the Grand Poobah Catholic Church putting their nice little satanic stamp of approval on what books are scripture, the word of God, and what books aren't. Okay, well this is what they're saying. These are the books received by the council. Okay, so they're listing, and they, they refer to them as sacred books, lest there any doubt might arise in the mind of someone as to which books are received by this council. They are the following of the Old Testament. Five books of Moses, namely, okay, and then it goes through a lot of the Bible. Then it goes into the books of Tobias, Judith, and then, I mean, there's more Bible verses, real, real Bible books inserted, Esther, Job, Davidic Psalteries. And then Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, which is not the exact same thing as the book of Ecclesiastics. Okay, that's listed separately. Very similar, but it's different. It's one of the apocryphal books. And then the Canticle of Canticles, which is kind of my favorite. It's just got a nice rhyme to it. The Canticle of Canticles. You know? Anyway. Uh, and then the Book of Wisdom. Another one of my favorites. Baruch. 
Abadias. Now I'm skipping over the Bible verses, the Bible books. Okay. Sophonius, Agius, Malchius, the two book of Maccabees, the first and the second. Okay. So I highlighted specifically the apocryphal books, so when you look at this, you can just go right to them. And the other Bible, true Bible books are around those. And then it goes to the New Testament ones. Now, at the end of this, Council of Trent, Catholic Church says, quote, if anyone does not accept as sacred and canonical the aforesaid books in their entirety and with all their parts... Now remember that as we're going to be reading some of these verses from these books in their entirety and in all their parts as they have been accustomed to read in the Catholic Church and as they are contained in the old Latin Vulgate edition which is a totally corrupted text of of the... it's a corrupted Bible and knowingly and deliberately rejects the aforesaid traditions let him be anathema meaning cursed, accursed. So, in other words, if you don't accept all of the books written, including the Apocrypha, according to the Council of Trent, as sacred and canonical in their entirety and all their parts, let him be anathema, meaning cursed. That's, that's how strongly the Council of Trent felt about the Apocryphal books. Now, the, the, the crazy thing is is the Bible books that they list in there, and I understand though the old Latin Vulgate was a corrupted text, but there was still obviously some truth you could glean and garner from that. They don't, they don't go by the Bible. They don't go by the Bible at all. They never have. How can they justify the Inquisitions? Oh, 50 million people killed, all in the name of the Catholic Church. Where did Jesus Christ say to go around doing that? I mean, even if it's corrupted, it, it, he didn't say that. Unless they're really modifying the text. So, I mean, you know, it's such a joke. With these words, the Roman Catholic canon of Scripture finally was set. More than 1,200 years after the Roman bishops and the backing of Constantine arrogated to themselves authority over all the Christian church, this was the first council in the history of the Western church to officially define the canon of Scripture. In support of the inclusion of the 12 books of the Apocrypha in the canon, Trent pointed to two regional councils which met under Augustine's leadership of Hippo, uh, 393 AD, and Carthage, 397 AD. The claims of Trent ignore the very significant fact that there was an established canon of scripture long before anyone met in the church council at Hippo or Carthage. There is a strong body of evidence that the Old Testament canon found in the Christian Bible, the non-Christian one, is the same as that used in Palestine at the time of Christ's ministry. That canon did not include the Apocrypha. Meaning the Old Testament, in when Jesus Christ literally walked the earth, the, 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 that, the Apocrypha, those Old Testament Apocryphal books, did not was not part of that. That was just something the Catholic Church threw in hundreds and hundreds of years later and said it was Scripture. There's a lot of traditions the Catholic Church has given us that are totally unbiblical, and yet they're called Christian today. All those paintings that supposedly look like Jesus, Michelangelo, commissioned by the Catholic Church, that's where we get those pictures. And it's kind of funny, he's the same ascended master that supposedly is going to be coming, according to all the New Agers, and these ascended masters. 
Same looking guy. Really good looking, long haired version. Jesus. Hmm. Funny. The Bible says there was no beauty in him that we would desire him. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Doesn't nature therefore itself teacheth us that it is a shame for a man to have long hair? Oh, those are in the New Testament. Why would Jesus be walking around with long hair then? Huh. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, and that's the same ascended master who calls himself Sananda Emmanuel, Esau Sananda Emmanuel, or Master Jesus, is going to be the one that possibly comes and takes over the Catholic Church, according to New Age doctrine. Hmm. Yeah. He's the same one that's going to come back with Imam Mahdi, too. Yeah, the uh, weighted savior of the Muslims, the, the 12th Imam, the one they're waiting for right now, the one that they believe in the Middle East, and Ahmadinejad has said this, that the only way he can come is through mass carnage and bloodshed. So don't tell me, a lot of, I hear a lot of these commentations on whatever, oh, they don't want war, they don't want, the, yes, they do. <laughs> now, are we going to provoke that? Are we going to use that to our advantage? Is the wicked Illuminati going to know that? Sure they are. Neither side's innocent. Okay? I love the ones that are, oh, these poor, poor Muslims. Look at their doctrine. They're supposed to destroy, annihilate the infidels, which are the non-believers in Islam. They're supposed to make holy jihad, or holy war, against the Christians and the Jews first. They are supposed to annihilate totally all the Jews, and then the Christians. That's their mandate. And they believe that the only way their awaited Savior is going to come back is through much carnage and bloodshed. That's why I think one of the reasons that they're getting so bold because they think Imam Mahdi is going to come back and help them out. It don't matter what type of weaponry we have. Just a little sidebar I wanted to throw in there. Catholic traditions. Xmas. Ishtar. Paganized. Pagan holidays that were Christianized and brought into the Christian church. Eventually they seeped in. Through the Catholic church. Through the Catholic cult. Valentine's Day is another one. These were originally pagan Roman holidays. I've done teachings on all these things. We, we get a lot of the garbage that goes on in the church today straight from the Catholic Church. And this is just one more thing that we're talking about here. So, the original canon of Scripture in the Old Testament did not include the Apocrypha. Neither Jesus nor any of the New Testament writers ever once quoted from the Apocrypha. Notice that. Huh. That kind of should maybe. Enoch is mentioned in Jude. And I've talked about that before. But I don't call Enoch canon of scripture either. I don't call it, you know, I never have. Commentary? Are some of the apocryphal books, is it possible to get some as far as from a historical value, I'm not saying that's not the case. okay? But I'm not going to point people to the Apocrypha. I'm just not going to do it. Catholic Church felt it was that important for it to be included in the canon of Scripture, then that's a big red flag to me. There are 263 quotations and 370 references to the Old Testament in the New Testament. And not one of them refers to Apocryphal books. Enoch isn't even listed as one of the apocryphal books, anyway. One of the modern definitions of the apocrypha is, quote, the writings or statements of questionable authorship or authenticity. An apocryphal story is one that probably never happened. 
Consequently, a lot of folks seem to believe books known as the Apocrypha are mythical works. Well, that's not exactly a glowing recommendation there. So, Tom Horn's newest money-making, Catholic-promoting venture. He's selling me a biblical Catholic manuscript, the Apocrypha. Coming in only two weeks. Now it's already here. Tom Horn's number one pick as best gift of 2011. This was before the Xmas season hit us. So we can get down and, and, and go get in major, major debt, celebrate that ni- nice Catholic holiday, originally known as Saturnalia, the birth of the sun god, Tammuz, not the son of God, Jesus Christ. I never saw so many Xmas advertisements on this site. Buy this, buy that. I mean, it's like you get assaulted when you go on these sites anymore. How many different ways can we get your money? This was his number one pick, his best gift of 2011. I'm sure the Catholic Church, I can just hear them with a golf clap in the background. You know? Why wouldn't they be happy about this? Indoctrinate the masses in their recommended books. This, And then he goes on to say, this is absolutely the most affordable and finest gift you can give to a serious researcher of biblical times themes, and end-time prophecy. It is, according to you? Wow, that, that means a lot coming from you, Tom. Considering you look and are acting, and your actions speak volumes regarding your not-so-subtle promotion of this Catholic death cult. It's the Researcher's Library of Ancient Texts. Volume 1, the Apocrypha. Includes Enoch, Jasher, and Jubilees as well. Plus 14 more ancient books in one volume. Now, I've told you before, I've done a whole teaching on Enoch. I don't call canon of scripture. The only one that I recommend is the blue hardback copy that has all the references to the King James Bible in there. Uh, just key in Enoch in the search box at contendingfortruth.com. Don't call it canon of scripture. Call it an expanded view of Genesis 6. But he's got everything in there. He's got the Apocrypha, he's got all these other books as well. Give you a little picture of it here. Tom Horn's email. This guy sends out more advertisements for selling stuff than any other ministry I've ever seen. I mean, it is relentless. Relentless. Sometimes you get three in one day. Of different, I mean, it's like the same email worded a little differently in order to just maybe convince you to buy more stuff from him. This guy sells everything. I mean, he's got such a menagerie of things you can buy up there. I think you should get into maybe oven mitts. Possibly bowling ball covers, ice cube trays. I don't know, something off the wall and wacky. You know? Anyway, personal email from Tom Horn. Quote, To all my friends, I am emailing you today to make you aware of the most exciting project in our publishing history. This guy's coming out with a book about... It's, it's, it's almost getting to be like a book a week. I don't know how they could churn this stuff out so quickly. The Researcher's Library of Ancient Texts. Please read the short article or watch the four-minute video at the following link to receive two free books and to learn about this amazing opportunity. 
gives you a little link there. I am also asking everybody to please help me by sending a link above to friends, pastors, family, post it on Facebook, whatever you can do. <laughs> do you believe this guy? I mean, you talk about shameless promotion. Why is it so important for him to get the Catholic Apocrypha, the dubbed as by the Council of Trent, by the Catholic Church, and anybody that doesn't believe these books are anathema or cursed. Why would it be so important for him to get this into your hands as a Bible-believing Christian? <clears throat> Why? Well, you have to do your own math on that. I will be doing a serious television show to share our personal excitement about this new opportunity for serious Bible researchers and can use any and all support I can get. Yes, Tom, you've made that abundantly clear through the 48 emails you've sent regarding this one thing. I know I'm exaggerating a little bit there, but hey, it was, it was a lot. Okay, I appreciate it so much. End of quote. So that was right from his whatever, his little thing. Uh, Tom Horn makes an important announcement. Just in time for Christmas. I'm not making this stuff up. Defender Publishing begins offering books on Amazon Kindle. Defender is not just the number one selling book for four years in a row among... Okay, Defender, I guess Defender Publishing. is not just the number one selling company for four years in a row among 230 book publishers, but is proud to now offer the world's most timely and incredible breakthrough. Information on Amazon's revolutionary reading device, said Tom Horn, CEO of the company. Amazon's a wicked company, let me tell you. They've sold, they sow like gay how-to manuals, things that really don't even border on child pornography. I mean, they're, they're pretty flagrant. I've warned about them in the past. And again, just in time for Christmas. So, I'm going to go ahead and end part one there. And we're going to start part two as to why the Apocrypha isn't in the Bible. Now, we've already kind of proved that, but we're going to give you some specific reasons as to why it's not in the Bible. So, we're going to end in part one here. See you in part two. God bless you. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H dot com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West. Number 202, Third Line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.